Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Grev, and welcome once again to another Rip Run Reds podcast. I am joined, as ever, by my co-host, Jace. Give us a wave, Jace. Good <laughs> afternoon, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this. Um, how how are you doing? You good? Yep. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not depressed no more. It's no longer Sunday. It's the middle of the week. It's been time to reflect. Uh, yeah. we, we, we've played football since we've watched, watched the Arsenal game on Monday night, so... Yeah, I'm good. Um, uh, and uh, I'm ready to, uh, now to talk about it. You know, you know, you've had that time, and you're like, I'm ready to talk. The about yeah, it now. the dust has settled. The content has been consumed. The uh, the anger maybe has subsided, or whatever <laughs> feeling or emotion you may have had. You know, I I myself have been lambasted by friends for not uh, thought that we'd given up on the podcast after the loss because it's been a few days. But I think <laughs> uh, uh, allowing us to uh stew on that result and and being able to uh, i suppose absorb it a bit more might might give us a bit more of a clearer a clearer head yeah we needed that time and practically it's not excuses we've both been working we've been yes. you know sunday night we didn't get home late until after the full game we played football monday night we have jobs and lives so apologies Speaking we'll try yourself. and be we'll try and be earlier <laughs> next time. <laughs> All right. right, let me uh let me do the usual, get the intro music on, and then we'll get straight into it. This is this is my club. Fucking love this football. Right, we're going to start off. We always start off. It's going to be a rip more review. I'm going to hand over to Jace. I'm sure it's going to be uh, as positive as always. <laughs> Give it to me. Yeah, I, I'm feeling quite positive, actually, even though it was a loss. Um, I've seen a lot of Arteta out, or is um, what's happening to Arsenal headlines and... And people saying that's it. I've had enough. Uh, I, I know that's on X or Twitter, and I shouldn't read into it. But I also have seen a lot of uh, journalists and, and other people analysing what's causing the dip with Arsenal. I think anyone who is questioning Mikel, in my opinion, needs to really rewatch that first half against Liverpool and the game against West Ham as well. Um, it's not it's not Arteta's tactics. I don't I do not believe. I do not believe Arteta is um coaching the team differently or in a poor manner. It is simply that the players in the moment are letting the manager down. Because the way in which Arteta set that team up to play, you can see works. That first half we created loads of chances and it was it was it was the lack of finishing that caused us a problem and the players who were out there were capable of finishing so the players need to take accountability for not taking the chances and accountability for their mistakes and additionally to that the concentration as well is is, is a problem and maybe that is you know the fact that they need a rest it's very hard to mentally continuously be at a certain level but it was the concentration, some of the mistakes that, of course, the sloppiness of us conceding goals. I know we'll talk about tactics later and in regards to how we're playing and, and how some of that's maybe contributed to the goals we're conceding. But genuinely want to start by just saying Arteta is not the problem. I do not want to see people saying, saying Arteta out. I'm firmly behind our manager and and. And, you know, there's so many reports this week. The numbers, the numbers, we're going to come good. The numbers will prove right. I'm, you know, I, 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 you know, we need to come good is the situation. It doesn't matter what the numbers say. There has to be a point in, a point in which the tide turns. And uh, the performances all have not been that bad, as maybe reports are making out. Okay. I agree with, uh, well, I, I definitely agree with the fact that Arteta is, uh, staying, I definitely don't think that anybody should be saying Arteta out by any means. I think that is rash. 
uh, I agree with you. I will. My my review is going in a in a in maybe a yin to your yang out of that last point that you mentioned. You know, a lot there's been a lot of outcry um, through other pods, through through social media, through journalists about the the luck, the turning of the tide, as you called it there, Jace. You know, our luck has to turn. We had a I don't know how many it was. I'm, I need to make me look back through my my data, but we had something like sixty something shots across the the three games that we had against Fulham, West Ham and Liverpool, we had an XG of like seven or close to seven. And at some point, you know, all of those moments, you know, because our XG is so high, that will turn at some point in time. And those chances that you missed, you will effectively score. But football is decided by the amount of times you can stick that ball in the back of that net. And we just simply have not done exactly the simplest form of what football is sticking that ball in the back of the net. And, you know, you can always say that there are things that are going to go against you. We've had a lot of VAR conversations on this podcast in previous pods. We've had a lot of refereeing decisions. We've had a lot of talk about substitutions and starting 11s. All of that doesn't really matter. What matters is the fact that we do not score. And that, for me, was criminal. And that's why I don't think, you know, Luck can go just as it can bad as it can good. If you if you're a an avid gambler like myself, when you play roulette and you see the table red, 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 and you're like, right, I'm gonna stick some money on black. And then it goes red again. Every spin has the exact same chance of being red or black. It could just as easily be a hundred times black as it could go red, black, red, black, red, black. And it's the same with this. You know, our luck can just as well as go as bad as it's going, all get worse as it can, getting better. I agree that as throwing and shooting and, and taking as many opportunities as you like, eventually something will stick. But I'm I'm still not not sure. I don't think anybody thought that maybe our... Uh, last year, I think we scored 88 goals. Um, and our front three were firing on all cylinders. Maybe we didn't expect to see the drop-off that we're currently experiencing with Martinelli, mm-hmm. Saka and Jesus all effectively not scoring and not doing very well, all injuries, whatever might be involved in that. But I'm not, I just can't see the tide turning, Jace, is my problem. This is a Robert Greville fence sitter for anyone who uh, (laughs) just heard that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like I I definitely, the drop-off all at the same time is very unfortunate. Um, I think Mikel talked about a bit of a mental challenge as well, right? Um, kind of acknowledging that mental challenge. And I, I too have listened to a number of podcasts and the benefit of podcasting later as you get to hear other people's views before you you share yours, right? Right. And uh, I, I definitely, I definitely kind of can, can see the sentiment around Arsenal fans at the moment to your views as well. So understand it can definitely see that half i'm trying to i'm definitely trying to sit in the more the, the positive side uh yeah. that you know two two week break start again in two weeks time and then and then assess and then assess doesn't mean we shouldn't be in, in busy in the transfer window though obviously we'll talk about that later oh man, there's, there's so much to talk about so much to talk about you know apologies up front to anybody listening uh you're in for a long episode um Let's, uh, we'll go on to the first part because there's going to be loads of bits to talk about in this. And it's the segment is called Wasteful and Woeful because we are both of these, you know, uh, probably more so in the second half than the first half. But certainly we had a lot of chances which were wasted. Our performance wasn't necessarily as good as it could have been, particularly in the second half. Like I said, the first half was probably significantly better. Um, what do you want to talk us through in this section, Jace? Where would you like to target under the theme of wastefulness and woefulness? Some there's quite a few opportunities that we squandered against Liverpool. I want to focus on on our captain, on Martin Martin Odegaard, um, mainly because there's two things stand out. Uh, first of all, what has happened to his killer shooting instinct? There was a perfect ball that was played to him across the box. All he had to do was pull that trigger where it's played across the box so it usually cuts back in the opposite direction. He loves those kind of kind of running in from the edge of the box 
slotting it into one of the corners. And he decided to rather than to do that is to take a pass to his left. I think it was probably to Martinelli, if I remember rightly. And then Martinelli does his thing, tries to get to the byline, uh, etc. Sometimes we just need to hit the bloody ball. You know, I could you could see Declan lining up all game shots. He didn't, he's been coached not to take those shots, but when he did, I think I turned to you in the ground and was like, oh, thank fuck he did that. Like it didn't go in, but like we need a bit more of that. Like just take your shots. And 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 so for me, like I, I'm really disappointed a little bit in Odegaard's drop-off, not creativity-wise, but definitely from goals perspective. I think you've seen a drop-off there as well, right? Like last season, he's hitting that. Even at the beginning of the season, I think there was a goal against was it Spurs or Man United? He hit one. Like he he like I don't understand those copy and paste those copy and paste goals that he's pretty like, yeah known for. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm just like, why why did you not hit that? Um, and additionally, I think the second point was there was an opportunity where I think uh, Saka on the ball played it to Kai. Kai was kind of through, but at the near post, so he cut it back. Nelson got blocked, and the ball fell to Odegaard, and he smashed it against the bar. And I'm like, how are you smashing it against the bar from there? Like you were so close. I, I just of all the places he could have gone, he just kind of went for power and absolutely smashed it against the bar over placement. Um, so for me, it was just two opportunities squandered when we talk about being wasteful. And from our captain, from a player of his level, I expect more. Yeah. I mean, I'd, uh, I'd agree because I, I don't think his creativity is somewhat, like you said, gone off the boil. I think he still has that edge. And I do think that little injury he picked up and he came back and he, he was certainly at his, his more Martin-esque as he was last season in creativity. But yeah, I, I can't. The drop-off is quite incredible from a goal-scoring standpoint. I mean, you, you missed out, for me, the biggest chance, which was in the first minute. You know, yeah. that ball from Ramsdale, which is, you know, something maybe we don't see enough of Ramsdale, part of the reason why we we, we, we upgraded, in inverted commas, um, to Raya, to, through to Reece Nelson. And me and you were there just going... Because we were behind the goal for that one. Like, why hasn't he chipped it over him? And even if he hasn't chipped it over him, he tries to take it around him and he's taking it too wide. It is just a, a cataclysmic failure on Reese's part and such a, a grand opportunity for him, considering he's been thrown into a starting position, getting your name in front of the bus and, and really putting your name on and stamp on that game. And he fluffed his lines. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things with this opportunity. Personally, wasn't even ready for it. That sounds really silly. <laughs> happened, happened so quickly when it happened. And you were like, oh, and I was like, what just happened? Like, I saw it happen in front of my eyes, but I just wasn't, like, I wasn't yeah. processing. I wasn't ready. I mean, for maybe it. you're, a, so bit, you're a bit like Arsenal. Like, we've, we've had a few games at home where we've been like that. And like Southampton, Bournemouth, this, like, yeah. we were like, down, we didn't realise. I still put my coat yeah. on. <laughs> it's like, bloody hell, we just had a chance to score early on. Um, yeah. But yeah, watching it back, uh, the thing for me was the the decision making. You, you you had a number of options available to you. You could have tried to lob the keeper. Allison looked like he was standing tall. In which case, try and play it low along the ground, either side. Obviously, he makes himself big, so that's very difficult. He chose the long route around, but his touch was sloppy so much that it basically took him. To, to the byline and the point was then that angle was near impossible so of all the options he picked the worst option he picked the hardest option um but the the challenge is that you're given as a footballer very few moments when you're a sub who's not a regular starter to make an impact to make an opportunity to change people's perceptions that was his opportunity and he didn't take it. And yeah. so I think there'll be, you know, we, we extended his contract. I think that was to genuinely maintain the value that and, and, and have him as a backup this year for Saka, because maybe we couldn't afford another winger uh, because of financial fair play. Um, and that sounds incredibly harsh, but it's just the reality of football. 
Um, I would not be... I'd love to see Rhys keep coming on and scoring bangers like he did against Bournemouth. But I don't think we'll see him much anymore. They're too, they're too few and far between. Um, I did have a... I, I haven't added it. Maybe we will talk about it in the parking lot. But it, 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 he will form... Uh, part of a club, I think, of what will be known as like a clear out in some of our in our our remaining players that Arteta has under his wing that aren't necessarily up to snuff, or some of the transfers we've made that aren't necessarily setting the world on fire that we might need to cash in on. Yeah, I would say on all of the the wastefulness that we've talked about, and even from my review at the start, we we create we are creating a lot of chances. I think that first half we had thirteen shots on uh, on goal, five on target, and we talked a little bit about luck because a lot of other people have discussed luck. And I would say that at the moment this is a pattern that we've seen in in maybe two games, not so much in the Fulham game, but certainly in the West Ham game and the Liverpool game. It'll be interesting to see when we get back into the swing of things against Palace and against Forest if this is a pattern. Or an anomaly. I think that's the thing. I think we have a very small pool of data to call from at the moment. Yes, there was a lot of shots across those three games, something like 63 or something like that. But 63 shots in the last like three home games or something like that. Yeah. So I mean there's a, it's a small data pool to pull from. So at the moment, you kind of have to look at it as a as an anomaly and hope that the tides turn and that in, in this game we were just incredibly woeful in front of goal and that you know just couldn't finish up. Our dinner. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think if we're missing anyone. I mean, the only thing I would say is uh, echo Ian Wright's comments sort on the tube on the way home. Just him kind of like sat in, the, in his box at the Emirates like, we need a killer. It's like, go downstairs and speak to Arteta then. We'll go, go across well, they, the uh, box to speak to Adi. Yeah, I mean, admittedly in this, right, so I, I've seen a lot of discourse on this subject particularly. Is it is a striker the answer, is my question. If, if for example, the tide does turn and we begin firing on cylinders again, would everyone be making this, this same assumption that Ivan Tony or Vlahovic or any, anybody else is going to make that much of a difference? I'm talking so about in general, by the way. So I agree that a striker, we will go hard, but I don't think we're doing it now. It I don't think we'll do it now either. Um, when we get to the kind of transfer section in the in, in the uh, in the end, um, I'll talk about what I'm observing with the team of evolution and what I think will happen. But you're right; it might not be January. Okay. Um, the next subject that we want to talk about was our, our our middling mid. It's all very mid, mid mid. Not a very good midfield, I would say. And you've you've talked a little bit um, about Martin Erdegaard and his maybe lack of. Uh, elite mentality in front of goal and decision making and concentration. Um, let's talk about Kai Havertz because although he wasn't the midfield in this game, he is our midfielder. He played in the number nine as a false nine, and I think showed once again why why he's probably not the nine. That taught me through. I mean, that's my opinion. Ooh. I don't know if you agree, Jace. Go on, tell me, tell me what you think. Okay, so this is interesting. I think we're gonna have a bit of a debate here. I was reflecting on it. I really liked Havertz in the front line. I felt he brought an energy in the first half. He created different movements around the attacking third. So much that I think Liverpool weren't didn't know. They haven't been able to watch tapes of Arsenal playing up front with Havertz in, in the nine, right? So they don't know what to prepare for or how to prepare for it. Um and I think that opened up ample opportunities and generated ample opportunities for us. You know, the example was the cutback he did to Reese. He wouldn't have been as far forward where Saka won the ball and gave him the ball in the box if he'd been playing in his left eight position. He wouldn't have he wouldn't have created that. I think additionally, also moving him there frees up deck in our midfield to be a bit further forward, getting him more of those shooting positions, which I think we would benefit from, and could give party a place in the team. Uh, if he becomes fit again, which I think we genuinely miss. So uh, I really liked that decision. I know that it didn't create goals, which is obviously the main output you could argue you want from that. But, you know, we've already talked about Jesus being what we want from Jesus and not getting it. So 
Um, Havertz is scoring, to be fair, to give him credit when he's playing recently. It was just that one game. I like what it created. I wouldn't be opposed to experimenting with it again. Here's a question for you then. Let me let me ask this then. So uh, if the opportunity arose to sell Eddie and Ketia for around 30 to 50 million now, but we do not buy a striker replacement, would you be comfortable in, in, in then allowing us to that either choose Jesus or Havertz as our striker for the rest of the season? There's a, there's a few dynamics to your question or situations to your question I can think of. Immediate gut answer, yes, but then I want us to buy uh, a midfielder, and I'll talk about some of those in, in, in the later part of the pod. Because if you're taking habits out of that left eight, then you need to be able to put, you know, maybe you move deck in there, maybe you need to buy another backup midfielder. And and then you rely on 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 habits and 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 Hazel. But, but you're yeah. you're comfortable then, provided Jesus is fit or fitter, that you can use those two for your running. I mean, they're both. None of our strikers are scoring. Habits, when he's been playing the left eight, is scoring and getting assists at the moment, which is ironic because everyone was taking the piss out of him not being able to do that at the beginning of the season. I think he's got into his groove. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, at the end of the day, what we're seeing at the moment, what have we got to lose? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. I mean, some, maybe sometimes better the devil you know, Jace, but let's see. Um, so have a dilemma for you, because you, you, I felt you had a different view on this, Grub. Well, I'm only, maybe I'm, 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 I'm too honed in on a specific moment in that game, but the, the, the free header, which, I, well, at least I feel it's a free header. Obviously, I think I've only watched it yeah. back once. In the moment, I'm watching it in the game, and it was quite different. He's, he's got to put it away. And the fact of the matter is that Havers is actually one of our players that we would deem, and maybe we can talk a little bit about this in the tactical side, but he's a player that once we have him on the pitch and he's in that position, we deliver balls into the box. We certainly play less direct like we have done when you're playing Jesus through the middle because of his his stature, his low gravity, his height that Havertz offers you. He's got to be putting that away. Simply put, it's not good enough. And that was the bit that probably just resonated with me the most is that Havertz, in those moments, you've got to be putting those away. Those are the ones that count. I can forgive a little bit some of the fluffing of his lines because we've all done it. Bearing in mind that obviously he's, he's a professional footballer that played 200 and something grand a week. He shouldn't be making those mistakes, but so be it. He's got to be putting that away. And that's the bit that really just hit me. And I, the one thing I do kind of semi-agree with you on, as it, it feels like he's a bit of like a whirlwind, a bit of a tornado. He, he creates chaos and he creates like a different dynamic. And I don't know whether or not that's because uh, I have, a, I have a, a friend who plays football. I'm not going to say him by name on here, just to embarrass him. But sometimes you kind of feel like uh, their brain and their legs are disconnected. They're doing different things. The brain is saying to the legs to do one thing, and the legs are going, nah, I'm going to just go and do this crazy stuff instead. And that's sometimes what I kind of get a vibe from Havertz. It's like they're just like disconnected in some way, and that's why sometimes he does fluff his lines, and that's why sometimes he doesn't manage to do like a random Cruyff turn when he's got four men around him and then blitzed in the middle, because sometimes it just does come off. Um, but I do feel that like, this, a lot of Chelsea fans will talk about Havertz and the fact that he um, played so many different positions. And part of the reason why uh, uh, maybe they didn't didn't keep him or wanted to sell him is because no one really knew what his position was. You watched a bit of Bundesliga. I think you could tell me where, when he was at Leverkusen, what his predominant position was. Well, it was closer to where he's playing for Arsenal than where he's playing for Chelsea. Okay. He wasn't sold that, to Chelsea. He wasn't a he wasn't a striker. No, but this is what I'm saying. They, they've carved him into these random positions, and as a player, like even in like just to bring it back to an analogy, like maybe me and you would better understand. In the workplace, you're you're hired to do a job. Yes, yeah, sometimes you've got to muck in, but you know you always want to do the job that you're hired to do because that's the job that you feel best at, most comfortable in, most dynamic in. And then for me, still, Havertz is being kind of pestered and trialled in a variety of different positions in lots of different ways. And it would be frustrating for me. I don't think I could necessarily feel I could do my best while I'm still being thrown every which way. Maybe he wants this. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't feel like we, we keep on doing him as left eight. The, the left eight started to work. And then we put him in a nine. I don't... 
I don't fully get it. Uh, the analogy you share makes absolute sense. I'm smiling because, like, and I reflect on my personal experiences. I am a bit of a multi-tool um, in regards to... Yeah, Swiss army knife, Chase. Yeah, like, in my profession, I can work at different levels and do different things, and I'm asked to do different things, and I'll test myself. And I've definitely experienced if in, in the workplace the, you know, you do something good, you prove, and then you move on, you push yourself, you push yourself. Now, if Arteta's gone, right, we've got your confidence back, we've got you back playing, and now I've got a confident habits, can I push him to the next level? Can I push him to a bowl? You, you can see this in a way, like Arsene Wenger with Thierry Henry started him more on the left, brought him into the middle. Um, Colo Torre started it right wing, was it? Then it was like one of, it was wing back and then it's centre back. Uh, it, so this is not, you know, Arsenal history. We have a lot of history of players who start in a position. It's not the position that they finish in. Now, the difference is that Cavett is probably the most high profile from a cost perspective um, of all the players that we've ever that are going to be maybe maybe put in put to the test and to do this but i'm not look we need we need if, if he can if, if it can work if it works i don't have a problem mm-hmm. or I, like and i think that's the same with any fan we're only gonna be critical if it doesn't work and the only time you hear it is if it becomes a problem and and we just haven't scored against Liverpool, so. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, my, yeah. my my rebuttal, and I don't, I only say this, uh, um, in the in the fact that it's been about fifteen games, Chase, and in reality, his confidence has only been shown shown in like less than five of those. So, Colo, Thierry certainly wasn't over a ten to fifteen game spell in which you transitioned them. Like for, I agree with you, Havertz is a totally confidence-based player. You can see it when he has none; he plays dreadfully. When he's full of it, brimming with confidence, he is a different beast altogether. And we love that Havertz. And we started to see glimpses of it. What I would do as a manager, and bringing it once again back to the workplace, you don't see someone do that once and then go right. Well, I want you to do it every single time somewhere else. <laughs> I'd like to see some consistency in his performances and in that position before you start to wheel him out somewhere else, in my opinion. I think he suffers, at least from what I can tell by his face, some some level of anxiety when it comes from performances on the pitch. He makes one mistake and it's done. But is that Mikel or is that Kai? Kai can only play where he's asked to play. Yeah, that is true. And but this is what I say. I'm not maybe we'll get into this now then. So let's because there's some elements of this anyway. We're going to talk about tactical issues because there was some some elements with this game that worked and did not work. And maybe this is a, a case where you say maybe Mikel Arteta has coached something and you can't tell if it's the player or the coach, right? In terms of this. I know you said at the top of the pod, you cannot blame Arteta for this performance. And I totally agree with you on that front. The players were given, and if you looked at that first half, we were incredible put on a massive performance. But there were some elements of our tactical approach to this game and potentially substitutions, which we can talk about as well, um, that maybe weren't working in our favour. What do you think? I want to give you the floor because I think you have a stronger opinion on this than me. You're talking about side-to-side football. Yeah. I mean, having... Having watched enough of Arsenal over the last like decade or two, you know, we see Evan flowing in our performances and our way. And a lot of people talked about Wenger ball and now Arteta ball. And we loved last season. Last season was incredible from a from a footballing perspective. The flair, the dynamism, all of that kind of stuff together was absolutely yeah, unreal. What I'm seeing now is I think that we've been tactically found out. I think they've sussed us. They've understood exactly. And we, we've seen it enough times this season already. The low block is our kryptonite. The, you know, we are Superman. The green gem has come out and we are totally screwed, devoid of ideas. And our side-to-side football kills me, absolutely kills me. 
If I see another pass that just goes around from Rice to Saliba to Gabriel and then out to Saka and back again and out to Martinelli and, uh, Martinelli and back again. It's, it's, well, firstly, it's really boring. It's really, really boring. I'd like us just to try something different. Like you say, it can't get much worse. And it can. I know I'm being, I'm, I'm definitely uh, going way over the top with that statement because we find ourselves in fourth in the Premier League into the last, uh, the next round of the Champions League. Granted, we've been dumped out of the FA Cup by Liverpool in this podcast. But we're, we're in a good position. We're not in a woeful position. But tactically, it's a bit dull. And I do feel that our approach play needs a fresh pair of eyes or legs uh, in order to unlock some of our problems. And I do feel that we just need to be more direct. Like, we we do not shoot enough. We talked about this actually in the ground when we were watching the game. I don't mind us shooting and missing. Don't have a problem with it. As long as we're trying different things, because we do seem to be this thing. And it used to be, I'm sure there was a comedy sketch that did this. It was like, oh, the problem is with Arsenal, they always want to walk it in. I'm sure it's from the IT crowd. And it is so true because it just feels like that's it. It's like we, we get this like, it's like someone is like a, like a slug. Someone's put salt around the edge of the 18-yard box and we can't go in it. Uh, it's really weird. We've just got this weird problem where we don't want to shoot from distance. We don't want to try crossing into the box, maybe because Havertz can't hit a target. But still, that's my problem. I think tactically we've only got one approach and it's not working. Tell me. A couple of things that stand out to me. So you talked about more directness. Now, Liverpool, you know, we have friends, Liverpool fans, who who've, I think we were speaking to one of them at football on, on Monday and mentioned maybe that their luck might run out eventually. Like they've been scraping uh, some points, shall we say. And I, I, and I question, how different is City and Liverpool's football to Arsenal's football? There's a lot of similar methodologies that all those managers use. And I think just certain things are winning out for, you know, I don't think they've actually really been winning out that much for City. I think City have had similar challenges to us. But for Liverpool, I see a particular individual that we don't have. And I'm going to be, this is going to be interesting, actually, to see how people react to what I'm about to say. Right now, I'm taking Mo Salah over Bakayo Saka. Because We've seen how teams are doubling up on Martinelli and Saka. And and Saka, he just isn't always as direct as you want him to be. He doesn't really charge, really run. He doesn't seem to have lost some of that cutting edge from last season, yeah. for sure. He doesn't, he doesn't, he always tries to cut in, play one twos, whoever like he'll get in the box, uh, like get into the box, but he does it through trickery with like quick feet. But he's not aggressive with pace, I've noticed. Like that, I feel I, I don't know if he's lost an ounce of pace, he's just not showing it anymore. But like I look at that and I compare it to Salah. Salah is direct with pace on that right wing. And he's as a result, he's scoring a lot of goals for Liverpool. And if you think about the amount of goals that Saka and assists that Saka was getting last year, and then the amount of Martinelli were with that kind of direct style of football, that's what I think. We need more of. I don't, I, I don't I, think I, anybody can argue with your point, though, Jason. I, I know you said it. Maybe it's controversial. You look at both the teams that you mentioned, and they have absolute monsters. Mohamed Salah and Erling Haaland, absolute monsters. We do not. I, I know we we love Saka, and I'm not. I'm not throwing him under the bus by any means. He is not at that level. I know some people want to make the comparisons, and I think it's frankly, a bit silly at this juncture. He hasn't performed to that level for long enough to, to really garner that kind of level of respect. Like you say, those two players carve chances out of nothing, score incredible amount of goals, incredible amount of assists, and we do, just simply do not have that type of player at this point in time. I take both of those over anything that we've got right now. Well, not right now, because they're both, uh, well, one's injured and one's at the AFCON. <laughs> Well, yeah, um, I'll put a call in to, to Killian to see if he's ready. Um, can we talk about the subs with tactical issues? 
Yeah, I mean, well, well you tell me first because I want to talk about uh, our next segment. It's going to talk about maybe some of the youngsters, so maybe you can talk about uh, the weird substitutions that we made. I would say. Well, I'm just like, what are we doing in regards of timings of the substitutions? I feel like the substitutions, and there's a consistent theme. Oh crap, we're losing. We've made decisions too late. Let's chuck on every single thing, including the kitchen sink, and put three at the back and hope for the best. But oh, hang on. The team that we're playing is winning. So they're just going to sit in front of the goal and put a low block up because they don't need to score anymore. So like, I, I just feel the tactical decisions and the timing of the substitutions has been off across the last two or three games, to be perfectly honest. Um, we we aren't recognized, you know, sometimes we, if we need to make a change, we need to make it earlier. Um, we need to give players who are coming on a chance to embed themselves into the game to to bring them into the game while our energy is potentially still high as well. Like we, we are seeming to drop off a lot. We're definitely always hitting it hard in the first half and then the second half you see the drop off as well. Um, and I know that they're requiring on the subs to come in and, and and, and bring that energy and it's on them and and I agree with that. But if you bring them in with like like the some of the subs against Liverpool, it's like oh, it's too late. It's too late. I would I would now say that, there was some for, for me, one of the weakest parts of that. Usually we make subs at like 70, 65, 70 minutes. That's common. Vengi always used to make it in just well, there was a bit where you get the bonus, right? I can't remember what it was. It used to be like 71 minutes or something like that. Um he took he took Reese off for Martinelli. Which I, I I genuinely believe was really weak management on Arteta's part. Saka, I feel, was the one suffering the most. Is certainly leggy oh, and certainly needs a rest. I just don't know why he didn't take him off instead. Martinelli, although not, not, not naturally right sided, can play, or or Reese can go over that side, and Martinelli goes in the left. It just for me just smelt of, I don't know. Like it, there was a harking back to when he said, "Our oh, Saka should be able to play about a million games a season." And be able to just keep playing and drive him into the ground. I just don't get why he he wouldn't replace him because he's not been at his best. He will never take Saka off. We know we've talked about this before. Uh, he, he 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 just won't sub Saka. He he believes Saka is the game changer in the team. But the yeah. problem is, and everyone can see it, he is exhausted. I did, however, see a picture of him in Dubai uh, today. With like laying on a sunbed with a, like a with an orange Fanta, and I was like, "Good on you, yeah, good on you." Do you know? Do you know what the first it, thing I did when I saw that, that picture, Jace? What? What was the first? I, thing? I, like, your, I like your I like your swimming shorts. So I, I I jumped online to see how much those swimming shorts were. <laughs> I wish I hadn't. Um, I said to my I turned to my wife and I said, "Right, I really want these shorts." She goes, "How much are they?" They were five hundred and fifty British pounds. So you know, it's a bargain. Bargain, yeah, bargain. Um, I want to tell me, tell me what you think about this. There was one sub that you didn't talk about that you didn't mention. So Emil Smith Rowe was bought on on the eighty seventh minute. Tell me what what's you the think. Point? Well, just simply, what's the point? I I would have given him a run out. I would have given him a run out. Would you have started? Would you have started him? Yeah. Over who was that? Um, I'd have probably kept Rice in the pivot and and made him in the left eight if Havertz is going up front. Because I would I would say just on that, just before you move on from that point, because Jorginho played in the more sitting role, and I actually think Jorginho had a pretty good game. I, I yeah, well, we didn't see it very Liverpool, often to be honest. Liverpool weren't at their most ferocious with all of their team fits. You playing Jorginho over Rice in that position, given a fully fit firing aggressive Liverpool team because Jorginho I mean, they had yeah. a weak midfield they had a weak midfield admittedly yeah. so you're probably right on that respect like there was no pace in that midfield between those midfield midfielders right there was no aggressive transitions like massively um and so it can be calm and collected and Jorginho can kind of control the tempo a bit but if the tempo is being controlled by Liverpool I it's not that Jorginho can't do that. He has proven many years he can do that. He can he can play. I think it's more about age and legs, which is the reality. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I would have done. Um, last thing on tactical, 
issues and i don't know if it was actually an issue maybe it was it was just something i liked um we made a tactical decision to play ramsdale over Araya, and i don't know if that's just because ramsdale's the cup goalkeeper but i felt ramsdale was superb i think that there are a lot of doubters after his you know poor performance against west ham in the cup um but the two things that really stood out for me one was his distribution you can tell that he has been working on it. And as you mentioned earlier, there was a clear improvement. That quick long ball to Reese was was excellent. And it was a it was a great pick out. Um, the second thing was his shot stopping ability. It's something that he's always been good at. It's something that we've loved about him. And it's something that you could argue actually he edges over Raya. Um, and he demonstrated that ability of a clear, great save down to his right post with that shot, quite aggressive shot from Diaz. And we, we were behind that. He tipped around the post and we were very impressed by that save. So just a real shout out to him. You know, we're, I'm not saying that we wouldn't have lost the games if he'd have been go over Raya. But I think that part of me wants to put him back in. Part of me wants uh... to see him back in. Mm. I, I, I would mean, much I'm... rather I'd much sorry I'd much rather not pay the money for Ryan and give him back to Brentford and keep Ramsdale and use that money for someone else I suppose who do, who do we is it Clark Kine is that our our third choice yeah I think so I would I mean I, I don't I don't fully agree with you Jace just to not sit on the fence um I feel that so I agree with you. The shot stopping we did talk on a previous pod about the factors of Ryan yeah we've you we've yet to see that that one save that really cements who and what he is as a goalkeeper. We've seen a, we've seen a lot of this distribution. One thing they're both particularly poor at. I don't want to make this like a comparison. It's just commanding their box. And I I know I know that Kiwiol scored the own goal and he wasn't strong enough in getting that header out. But the fact that Ramsdale came for it, it doesn't really matter if Kiwiol didn't do the header if it was going out or going in. We've seen it from strikers. We've seen enough times where the goalkeeper comes out and just doesn't make it theirs. That is the job of the goalkeeper. They can use their arms. They can use their hands. They can make themselves much bigger and grander in that box than any other player. And so everything that that comes in that area should be theirs. And I feel that he he committed to it, didn't get it. If he had stood his ground, there's a chance he could have saved it. I'm not saying he would have, but there's a chance. Mm. Just don't feel he's very commanding. And like I said, I'm not not making this a comparison because I don't think Raya is that commanding either. I just don't feel, like I say, we, we've talked about moments in this podcast, right? And those moments is where he falters and where he costs us points. And that is it's, it's still a problem that we have. And I think we, we talked about this in the ground. Like, Allison is just simply incredible. He's such an incredible goalkeeper. He is probably the best in the world, or if not, one of the top two or three. And... In, in in both uh, shot stopping, in distribution, in using the ball at his feet. And you can see a, quite a stark difference. And I know I made such major points about marginal gains in previous podcasts about why the rare upgrade was necessary. The difference there is not incremental gains. They are different levels. Different levels entirely. Quite handsome too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't deny that, Jace. <laughs> Sorry, you're adding to his attributes. Um, question to you: Where do you want to talk about the goals we conceded? This section or the next section? Uh, well, let's let's do, let's do it. I, I mean, I've mentioned the 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 Kibio one briefly. Do you want do you want to talk about then us being caught in transition? Well, I I, I want to talk about both. Um, well, right, go on just I, I want to say one thing on Kibio. I don't know what he was doing for that first goal. You're right. You know, maybe Ramsdale could have done better, but. He's trying to reach and stretch for a ball, which is not favourable to him in the position he was in. He's jumping, stretching. He's in no position to be able to control a defensive header and get any power behind it to clear it. It's coming in on his unfavourable side, on the goal side, not on the way on the side on which he's going to hit it away. And it skims his head. Like, I, I why do you do that? Like you're just putting the team at risk. Like if it's skimming your head on on the side, which isn't facing the goal, that's fine. But if you have no control of the ball, and, and it's coming in from your on, on, on the side on on the side which is facing the goal, that ball can go anywhere, and it did, and it went in the goal. And and for me, that was just poor decision making. I acknowledge it's easy 
to say that in hindsight and when everything's happened so quickly that's a much harder decision to make but he's paid to make those decisions and I just felt it was I, I kept watching the replay before the podcast and I was just like why are you even doing that mate mm. what, what, I mean I didn't like that I mean, for Kiwi or for me generally, I, I do feel that when he came in, he had some good potential. But I think he's cost us quite a few times already. And the fact that Arteta, I'm, I'm sure left back is not his usual trade. I'm pretty sure centre back is his predominant mm. position, like a left hand sided uh, centre back. And so on paper, he's physical, he's mentally astute, like he's got the attributes that Arteta looks for. I'm just not sure he's quite up to snuff with what we kind of need. And I, I, I've heard and read some interest in him from overseas that I, you know, I can imagine that he's not here next year. I'd about to say he's gone. There, there are a number of players who under Arteta we have brought in and they've been more on the, let's call them the under 25 million mark or around that, that or less mark, where we acknowledge that they, they are gambles that may not pay off. Lukonga, Tavares, this season is Kivio. Or end of last season, it was Kivio. He looked promising. But I, I think if you look at... I, I too have read those rumours. Um, he's well sought after in Italy. That's where he came from. I think Napoli would take him. AC Milan said they would take him. Uh, so I can see uh, a world where we make our money back and we, we move him on quite quickly. And that's also because we want the uh, the young centre back who's captaining Ajax at the moment. Um, Nato Nessa, I can't remember. Yeah, name. like they're, they're Hato, basically this Hato. They're the the Saliba replacement. <laughs> Saliba, sorry, Timber replacement. Um, who's then Saliba? On. Shit, my pants then, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> he's, don't, Willow, don't leave, don't leave, mate. Please stay, stay forever. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I can see him leaving. So. Uh, and I said I wanted to talk about the second goal. I just want to say that I was disappointed with that, not because of Ramsdale, not because we were defending, just because we were caught in transition. We're continuing to get caught in transition, and that's actually causing us to lose a lot of our matches and concede. We're getting caught in counters during transitions. Do you think Fully, in our... our it, it, we play reward, well, we play risk and reward football, right? But So you're, you're going to leave yourself susceptible to those type of goals often. What what do you think we need to do better in order to is it leaving more men back, quicker men? What what is it? Thomas Party. We miss Thomas Party. The octopus. Yeah. Or foul. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're we not great at tactical fouls, to be honest. We're not I thought we've got better at tactical fouls, but someone should have uh can't remember who it was. It was. It was on the right side for Liverpool's counter now, and Declan was chasing. He should have just stretched that leg out. But I don't know if he was on a yellow. But uh, I don't know if he could either. But yeah, uh, tactical foul. Okay. Uh, I suppose a relatively small section next, and I just wanted to maybe I don't know if you had any points to add on here, but I wanted to just make sure that we covered it, Jace. Um, we we talked briefly about the Emil Smith row. Um, substitution. This, this segment, by the way, is called Won't Somebody Think of the Children? Hark back to a, a great line from The Simpsons. Um, we we had Numeri, Sousa, Walters all on our bench. Neither of them came on. And yet it felt to me, so uh, Klopp brought on two of the younger kids that they had into their midfield relatively unknown from my perspective. Like I said, I'm not an avid Liverpool watcher week in, week out, so I'm not going to profess to say that I know who these individuals are and are they any good. But for me, it showed that Klopp either didn't necessarily care so much about winning this game and wasn't that interested in it because he would quite happily throw on the kids, but they embarrassed us. We got, we lost 2-0 with those players on the pitch and they had a weak midfield. They were missing Mo Salah, they were missing Virgil van Dijk and we still lost. And yet Arteta didn't feel that this was a, a, a once again an opportunity to play some of our youth talent. And yet he opted for embarrassing Emil Smith-Rowe for three minutes. Like, if you're going to just do that, then give the kids some run out, allow them just to get a feel for the game and give them some minutes in their legs. Ultimately, we're already going to lose this game anyway. So you're not really going to harm their confidence or the, the you know their, their effort and their building into the squad. 
I don't think either of them have had any minutes this season yet, as far as I remember. I think one of them or two of them might have played in preseason. But for me, it just feels like, um, I think we've seen this quite a lot recently, that Arteta's management of youth, and I'm sure Amari, I think it was Amari Hutchinson, um, the brother, uh, tweeted to say that there was some mistreatment of his brother when he was at Arsenal, although he's playing for some lower league team um, now. I just feel like it's quite just mismanagement on Arteta's part and something that we've talked about some of the areas that he needs to improve upon, which is like being a bit more um, empathetic towards players. He can be, you know, when someone's got the cold shoulder from Arteta, you've got the cold shoulder from Arteta and you're not getting back into the the squad. I think that is exactly what's happening with Emil Smith-Rowe. For whatever reason, he just doesn't fancy him anymore. And so he's not getting a sniff in. And it, it stinks a little bit to me of the, the the youth guys are in the similar boat. There's no trust, there's no confidence, so they're not even getting mm-hmm. an opportunity. Yeah, this is uh, as I said, I, I'm still 100% behind Arteta. I, I love him as an, as our leader. Um, yeah, there isn't anyone else out there unless you're giving me Guardiola or Klopp that I'd probably take as our leader. But we can always critique him, as I said previously. And here, uh, yeah, Emma Smith Rowe. Well, Emma Smith Rowe is a senior first team player, has been for a long time. We can't, con- he's from the Hale end, but he's no longer part of that. You know, he's not, he's not a youngster in the squad. So, you know, if he's getting the cold shoulder, he needs to make a decision on his career, and Arteta needs to make a decision. They should come together as adults and make that decision quickly and, and, and make the right outcome for the club and the player. On the other hand, when you talk about, you know, Cozy Adubri, uh, I think it was Walters was on the bench. Uh, Nyanwere, I can't never see, I always pronounce his name wrong. I apologise. Uh, Nyanwere, he wasn't on the on, on on even on the bench, and he was. I loved him in preseason. I always think he's looked good when he's coming on. Arsenal should be giving the youth a chance, and it was an opportunity to bring some of those players on. I agree with you. Um, I was disappointed to not see them and if I was per be having a word in Arteta's ear because per knows what the club stands for I'm not saying Arteta doesn't, he does too but this is a collaborative uh, club um, in regards to how we make decisions and how we transition talent and youth into our first team. And I think it's a fair assessment in the last two years. We have seen less of it. Arteta has used youth. He's put faith in Martinelli. He, 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 he prolonged his development. We were wondering why we weren't seeing and then bang, he was here. Um, do, you not think, do you not think some of that is put down to the fact that we don't have many options? What's the alternative? There isn't one. I mean, there is there is in Trossard now, but I'd even say that the faith in Trossard isn't quite where it was. Always. Are you saying? Are you saying that Arthur Martinelli wouldn't have made such an impact if Aubameyang hadn't fallen out of favour? Possibly, yeah. But I would. I mean, I, I also look at the the youth generally. Like, I, there's one player, and I'm sure if I'm thinking of a, a young player that's currently out on loan that I'd love to get back into this side and into the fold, who am I thinking of, Jace? Patino. Correct. And I worry a little bit because I've seen I've seen a bit of him for um uh Swansea. Swansea. Um and it's he, he he looks good. And I just I'm a bit I wonder whether or not this is a William Saliba get him into the position, get him ready, get him fit and get him firing and bringing him back? Or is this a shop window getting him gearing up for a sale so we can get some money off the back of him? I think we have to keep Patino. Um, I think he's going to want to play next season. I don't think he yet has the experience, though. I, I do think... Don't get me wrong, he has the talent, but he needs either Premier League minutes or minutes in a top five league in the world. So sending him out to Germany, I think, would be a great thing to do with Patino. I think some of the the physicality is probably the bit which he probably lacked a little bit of, which he might need. Yeah, I think so. And and that's like the the thing with me with him. When I look at him, uh, where I'm like, that's that's the reason that you aren't going to get in the squad. 
and we should like I know he wants to play. I think he's been quite vocal about wanting to have first team football, and that's fine. But don't that doesn't mean you should leave Arsenal to get it. Go and get it on loan. Trust the process and trust it in a couple of years' time. It's going to come. Now he's had two loan spells out on uh, out to Championship clubs. This should be so. I don't want him going to the Championship next year. I'd be prepared to see him go to another Premier League club or go to uh, a Bundesliga or even like a, a mid mid top tier league league on yeah league on yeah. side. That would that would even a Spanish side maybe a real sociedad kind of thing would make would make sense. Um, and if not, then we need to sell him because he shouldn't have be having the same same treatment as what Emil's had. Yep. All right, we're 55 minutes in, Jace. I said it was going to be a long one. Let's move on to the, the parking lot. Uh, so I, I suspect we're, we're going to be trying to talk about January, right? Yes, that's the main aim. I wanted to mention one thing first. Go on, Nunes, know one thing first. I just want to say one thing about Liverpool. Nunes is absolute dog shite. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't. He couldn't hit a bar. I, he can't. He couldn't hit a barn door from what we saw. I don't watch Liverpool as you know, like you said. I'm the same. I don't watch Liverpool uh, often enough, and I'm sure Liverpool fans will uh, persecute me for saying that. What I've just said. He causes lots of problems. He gets in great positions. When we saw that, but his finishing was goddamn awful. Mm. He could have put at least two away against us. I uh, jokingly, I jokingly tweeted a few last week. I think it was that um, would you rather take Eddie Nketiah or Darwin Nunes, thinking that Nunes is statistically would be light years ahead of Eddie Nketiah, and I was being a bit maybe tongue in cheek. To find that they were actually pretty close, and it wasn't that much to separate them was was surprising to me. Um, one thing I will say though, as part of Nunes, when he was shifted out to the left, I think Klopp's management of this situation was really fantastic, actually. When he was shifted out to the left, they, they used Nunes as an outlet to really go over our press. You talked about getting caught in transitions. That's where Liverpool found the most space and were most dynamic. Yep. When they just basically played over the top of us, Nunes could bring it down and bring Diaz and bring Jota into the game in the second half. And that fundamentally gave them a lot more opportunity in the second half. So although I agree with you, can't hit a barn door to save his life, in that, that tactical change and bring him into the game using his height and his strength really works well for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, let me reframe that. His finishing is dog shite. <laughs> yeah, okay. Not his overall gameplay. Yeah. Um, All right, let's talk about January. I like Onana. Not the Man United goalkeeper, let's be clear. Or the um, song by Rihanna. That's all right. Um, but I watched a YouTube video. No, you shouldn't do that, but... I watched a, a kind of five-minute uh, collage of all his best moments this season for Everton. My God, he looks like a young Yaya Toure. I sent you the video. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it. Not yet. There's a couple of things that stand out for me in what I'm seeing there. Uh, the ability to use his long legs to make those challenges you expect a defensive midfielder to make Reminds me quite of the Thomas. He's got a bit of Thomas party about him. Then he has the ability to play a lovely long cross-directional ball. Again, something that we've seen Thomas party do. But then for me, it's the bursts. The aggressive, powerful bursts from midfield. And I just think, do you ever remember the goal that Yaya Torre scored for City against Villa? Where he just burst and ran from the halfway line and just absolutely obliterated Bill and just scored. He, he just has that kind of burst and energy about him. And he's a massive unit. And and, and I, I just watched the video and got excited and I thought, oh, he looks he looks good. It's like if we're gonna do if that's the if we're not getting a striker but we are doing one bit of business, let's do that. Let's do that. Because I think there's there's opportunity there to push Declan forward, as I said, to put habits in the nine, to try something different to score goals. Like and, and and eventually we are going to have to replace Thomas, whether it's in January or the end of the season or in a year's time. At some point he's going. So uh, let's do it. He's only tw- I think he was only like 22, 23. He's young. He's Premier League proven. Um, and you know all of the other. If you look at midfields in general across the world, football is changing. We we are we do not have those dy- uh 
those small, low center of gravity, ticky tacky style. No Santi, no Xavi, no Iniesta, uh, no David Silva. Like these central midfield players that would control games in a different style of football, mm. that doesn't exist anymore. You've got Declan, big, dominant, tall, physical, yeah. dominant. You've got Bellingham. You've got all the guys that play in the French squad, um, you know, who, who are all very tall. I'm going to murder their name, so I'm not going to say it. Um, you know, I look at Onana. I look at Rodri, I look at, I mean, Liverpool's not the best example. I mean, they've got quite tall midfielders. Alexi McAllister's probably the odd one out. But I just look at a lot of the midfields um, across Europe, look at some of the players Bayern have got, and everyone is buying big central midfielders. And I think when you think about our squad as well, Saliba, Declan, Gabriel, if we get Onana... Let's say also that we signed Tony, which I would quite like. I don't know if that's going to happen, maybe in the summer. That's a big, scary, dominant team. It's what we wanted Arsene to do when he wanted him just to sign Kondogbia to make us look a bit bigger because we were so small. And we wanted just him at the pivot. And he never did it. Well, now, if we had, imagine if we had that. Saliba, Declan, Gabriel, Onana and Tony. Imagine the amount of goals we wouldn't score up top with Onana, Jess. Ah, oh, incredible. <laughs> Come on then. So let's talk about the other in potential. No, no, no. I don't, I don't want to. I think I've said enough about it. I, I do agree. I haven't watched enough of him to know. But I will, I, what I would say is, you know, phys- physically dominant, imposing um, defensive midfielders are, you know, we, we've been here, Vieira, you know, we, we've had our, we've had our midfield players of that ilk that have commanded and demanded uh, many trophies for Arsenal. And I don't deny that this is a, yeah, is a good, he, I mean, he, he, he reminds was, me of Diaby as well. Yeah, that, he doesn't come with the injury record <laughs> as well. Right. But like I said, I do feel that like, if we don't have a Thomas party and I think a lot of us kind of maybe take Thomas party for granted. And the thing is we, we talked about it at the top of like this season when we talked about it, he's a, he's a 50% of the season player and less this season. You know, a fit Thomas Party, which is incredible. His record um, in Spain was significantly better than here in terms of his injury record. I don't know what happened to him here. I don't know if it's just a, the nature of the British game. But, you know, whatever it is, we, we certainly do need someone of that nature to fill in that position and play that role. I just The thing is, and, and January is such a, it's a shit, it's a shit window. It's just a shit window because really no one wants to sell because... Let me just use two examples here. Brentford won't want to sell Ivan Tony because they're in a dogfight themselves. And unless they're going to command a silly amount of money for him, when we could probably get him for 30 mil cheaper in the summer, as a business perspective, just not going to happen. If I use the reverse, look at Emil Smith-Rowe. In the summer, there was an opportunity potentially to sell him to Chelsea for somewhere in the region of 40 to 50 million. His value is now completely plummeted. Why would anybody want our dregs? Why would you? You haven't seen him perform at the level that he performed at in the season previously for a year now. It doesn't make any sense. So commer- commercially and you know sport-based, neither of these decisions make much sense to me. And thus, this is the reason why. And like, if I just look at Onana, Everton got deducted 10 points. And granted, they're lucky that the, the remaining teams that came up last season from the championships were absolute dross. And as such, are probably going to be the three that go down. So Liverpool and um, Everton are probably in a good position from that respect. Would they really sell probably their strongest midfield player when they're in a battle to stay up? Yeah. And even worse than that, on loan. There's talk about being alone with an option to buy because we need to stay within the confines of our financial fair play, which is laughable considering you look at yeah, what everyone else they, does. They have a problem with financial fair play as well, right? Yeah, but then the loan's so, not going to help them, really. It is if they've got guaranteed income. It it won't be an yeah, I mean, the amortization will be a guaranteed buy if you to buy. It's basically like what uh, PSG did when they bought Mbappe from Monaco, right? They bought Neymar. They couldn't afford to buy Mbappe as well. So they said, we'll loan him for you and guarantee you 220 million or yeah. whatever it was after. It's exactly the same thing. And I, you know, Arsenal will be like, money's on the table, but you what we want him now. And know, but you, you got to think there's got to be some other teams that would be sniffing around him. Look at Liverpool; their midfield was woeful in this oh, game. Player, still be no, there's no player that's moving between Everton and Liverpool. Though. 
<laughs> yeah, true. City right. maybe is it maybe yeah, but I mean yeah, I mean City are like when they lose Rodri, they really are. It, it is a different beast altogether. It just goes to show how important a player of this caliber is to a side. Like I, I, I can't fathom where we might look if we didn't have Declan Rice. Put it that way. Well, now he's done it. it. Yeah, now he's done it. Um, right, uh, an hour and five minutes into a big, big pod. Lots of topics, lots of discussion. Hopefully, the audience enjoyed it, Jace. And if they did, what do we want them to do? Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, we'd like a lovely comment. Uh, give us a thumbs up, please, and feel free to engage us with questions and, and whatever you wish. Nice, nice. And um, so we're also on your podcast provider of choice on Spotify. It's only five-star reviews on Spotify at the moment. Please do keep that trend up if you haven't already sent us a review. And do check out our socials. Uh, Jason does an absolute tip-top job in keeping on top of our reels and our TikToks and our YouTube shorts. You know, if you if you want Arsenal content, this is your place to come. Uh, and so with that in mind, I know we're on a bit of a break now, but I'm sure me and Jace will be back either this weekend, next week early. We've probably got loads of other things to discuss as well as probably still hammering up the uh, the Puma kit review pod that we've not done yet because neither of us are looking forward to it because <laughs> it's absolute shit. Um, but yeah, uh, we look forward uh, to catching up with you again very, very soon. So thank you for joining us. Cool. Cheers, guys. Take care. Have a good week. Come on, you!